You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Whether you need a battery for your truck or batteries for your trail cameras, Interstate Batteries has the batteries for your everyday life. Stop into a local retail location. They have thousands upon thousands of them all over the United States or go and visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. What's up, guys? My name is Parker McDonald, and I'm your host, and you are listening to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. All right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I am your host, Parker McDonald, and I am uh, not joined by co-host drew robbins this week drew like myself uh got bad case of the rona and uh and he has been out the last the last uh week week and a half and so uh we haven't got to really talk a whole lot i know he was he was on the on the incline he was doing a little bit better feeling a little bit better i'm finally out of quarantine now so um, life can kind of go back to normal, I guess. It wasn't like a terrible case. I had pretty mild symptoms, but uh, nonetheless, I still, I still had it, and uh, it was it was pretty awful. Whenever um, I'd have like little spells and things like that, that would that would kind of happen with my breathing and stuff. But the good news is, the good news that came out of this is I got to spend a lot of time in the woods. I kind of mentioned it last week in our episode with Matt Reeves. Of Southern Pursuit. If you haven't listened to that episode, you should go back and listen to it. It was really good. I kind of mentioned it a little bit, but I've been able to kind of challenge myself and get out to some new ground that I have not spent a lot of time hunting and have pretty have a pretty good hold on what a lot of the deer in there are doing. It's uh, it's swampy land, river bottom swamps and stuff like that, and uh, it's been a whole lot of fun. If you haven't checked out the YouTube channel, you should go and check that out um, at some point. Go give us a subscribe on there because I've got a, a video, the, the most recent video that's on the channel right now actually came from this specific piece and I had an encounter with a freaking tank of a buck and uh, as you guys know, I couldn't shoot him because I've used all my Alabama buck tags, but um, he came into like five yards, got right underneath me and I just had to watch him. Uh, it was a cool encounter. It was definitely, definitely worth the worth the trip to go out there to it. But it's been it's given me the opportunity to go out and and uh, and find some some new places to go to since I wasn't able to work and go to work and I I'm, wasn't really able to spend a whole lot of time with family during during that time. Um, it gave me a chance to get out in the woods a little bit more and um, find some new ground. And I can tell you this: um, I'm putting all this information back for next year or the, ne- the next at some point whenever inevitably I will not have uh, I will not be tagged out every single year by December um, but hopefully I'll be able to use some of these uh, new areas and uh, you can bet that I'm gonna be I'm gonna be out there next year scouting and uh, during the offseason scouting and trying to figure this place out a little bit more because it could potentially um, judging by what I've seen here lately out there it could potentially turn into one of my favorite places to hunt so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that but like I said go and go and check out that YouTube channel we got lots of videos there um, from my season I had probably one of the better seasons I've had in my life 
and uh, was able to document all of it and put it up on the YouTube channel. So go and check that out. If you're already subscribed, I want to tell you guys really quick, thank you so stinking much for going and subscribing to that channel and for following along. Um, I'm, I'm super jacked up about it. I, I love making the videos. I like doing all that kind of stuff. And so knowing that it is, number one, helping people. I, I know a lot of people have found themselves in similar scenarios and similar areas that I hunt. And uh, I've gotten great feedback on from people who have just said, hey, you know, this video helped me out a lot in the area that I hunt. And so I really do appreciate those. If that's you, if you've learned something from the podcast or from a YouTube video, feel free to, uh, to send me a, a, uh, a message on Instagram or on Facebook. You can find both of those pages. You can go to Instagram. It's going to be at Southern Ground Hunting, all lowercase and all one word. And you can, uh, you can find me there. Or on Facebook, that's going to be at Southern Ground Hunting as well. You'll be able to find it. Um, and just send me a message and, uh, and let me know how your season's been going. Let me know what if, if it's a podcast that's helped you out. Or whatever it is, let me know what it is. And uh, I, I would love to talk to you guys. I love hearing that, uh, that people have been finding success based on some of the content that we've produced over here. That's been, uh, that's been one of the most rewarding things. And so we've got a really fun episode this week with uh, Shay Reed from Arkansas. Now, Shay is a, a traditional bow hunter. He hunts also with a compound bow. He's not a die-hard trad bow guy. But um, I found out I found out about Shay through uh, one of our past guests, I believe. His name's Caleb Gamble. And um, he, he highly recommended Shay. I joined a Facebook page, which you should all go and do because there's a lot of really good information there. Um, it's called Arkansas Mobile Hunters. And uh, Shay is the admin. He started this page. He talks about it a little bit in this episode. But he started the page, um, and he shares a lot of really, really solid content, a lot of really good um, uh, advice, stuff that he's doing, stuff that he's focusing on throughout the season. And so I thought it would be really fun to bring Shay on the show and break down his season. So as we all know, every part of the season is different. You have early season. You have different segments of early season based on the acorn crop and based on different things like that, based on the, the leaves being on the trees and things like that. And then you have um, pre-rut, rut, post-rut, and then you have late season. And so what we do in this episode is Shay breaks down all of these different parts of his season. And what he really does a lot of is in-season scouting. And we, we, we talk about it a little bit. We've talked about in-season scouting a little bit throughout this uh, throughout this podcast, throughout the, the, the past podcast that we've done. We've hit on it a little bit, but Shay really talks about it quite a bit, and I think it's going to help a lot of guys out, especially if you find yourself hunting in a similar type uh, terrain as what Shay describes being in the Arkansas River Bottoms, the Delta region type stuff. And uh, But even if you're not, even if you find yourself like what I hunt, which is going to be more hilly mountain terrain, there's a lot of stuff that I was able to take from this conversation and apply it to my own scenario. And so uh, I hope you guys will, will do that. I hope you'll enjoy it. But before we get into that, I wanted to let you guys know that you can check out ScreeGear.com for all of your hunting clothing needs. ScreeGear is a, uh, an awesome layering system, and uh, they're developing new stuff all the time. I was just on a conversation with some of the guys from Scree, and they were telling me about some of the new stuff they've got coming out very soon. And I think you're going to like it. It is very much geared towards the whitetail deer hunter. And um, a, lot of these, a lot of these companies like this are geared towards Western guys. And Scree is based out of Utah. And so obviously a lot of their stuff is going to be 
geared towards the Western elk hunter, mule deer hunter, pronghorn, all that kind of stuff. But a lot of the new stuff that's going to be coming out, in addition to the stuff that they currently have that I've been running for the past three seasons or two seasons, um, it is it is awesome. It's a, it's a layering system that, that really does work. And I hear a lot of guys talk about not being able to um, uh, maybe move around. Maybe you're, you're wearing kind of the Walmart camo type stuff and you're you're bulking up when those cold fronts hit and and it's tough i mean i've been there i know exactly how that feels with with my scree gear i am able to layer up effectively i'm able to be comfortable and also get rid of that stinking bulk that i don't want i don't need especially when it comes to sitting in the saddle where you want as much maneuverability as you can get um, and scree gear has given me that so if that's something that you're interested in go and check out screegear.com and you can use the code southern ground at checkout and that will save you a little bit off of your order also a couple of companies that i want you to go check out are tetherednation.com if you're interested in saddle hunting gear and new canoe now new canoe is uh the kayak that i use and also like scree they are coming out with some really cool stuff here very shortly that i think you guys are going to be really excited about so go and check out newcanoe.com we couldn't do what we do without these companies and uh, the least I can do is is uh, tell them thank you and recommend that you guys go and check them out. I think you will not be disappointed. So, with that being said, let's get into this episode with Shay Reed. All right, everybody on the line with me right now, I have Mr. Shay Reed from Arkansas. Shay, how's it going over there, man? It's going good. Um glad to have you have me out and talk for a while absolutely well you've been on my on my radar for a little while i know i I reached out to you probably going on half a year to a year ago and uh really been paying attention um somebody actually recommended you to to me uh to have on the show and uh i figured now is as good a time as ever season is uh pretty much wrapped up in most parts of the country we're still grinding over here in Alabama, but I think it's pretty well over um, where you guys are at. So how did your season go this year? Well, well, our season actually, our both season goes through uh, the end of February, so we actually have a little bit of hunting still left to do. But um, this year, uh, killed some does. Uh, didn't really have much luck on bucks. Uh, ended up missing a decent buck back in December, uh, past several uh throughout the season but uh saw a lot of deer seemed like our deer numbers from from last year to this year was they were up quite a bit from what i've seen so yeah that's encouraging that's awesome man so you're you're there in arkansas i did not realize that the that the season went as long in arkansas as it actually does so um do you is it february the 28th (laughs) is it do you still have that amount of time to kill a buck or is it like is it just antlerless type stuff for the late season? How does that all work? No, you you can kill a buck. It's whatever tags you have. If you still have all your tags, you can kill bucks, you know, and does and everything, just whatever, all the way up through the 28th of February. Wow, that's cool. I, I knew Alabama, we've got a long season, and most people are like, holy cow, I can't believe y'all can hunt till February 10th. But it sounds like Arkansas is uh, is maybe beating us in that. And what, So what, what time does your season actually start there? uh september the 28th is when when both seasons starts dang so, y'all do get a long time yeah we 
it's the, it's the, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I, I'm almost pretty positive that we've got the longest bow season of any, anywhere in the United States. That's, I, that's I insane. So how does it work there? Yeah. So I know here in Alabama and a lot of parts of the South, you have a, about like a month long bow season and then rifle season opens up around mid November and goes through February 10th. How does it work there in Arkansas just as far as the different uh, methods that you can hunt with throughout the season? Yeah, our bow season, like I said, it comes in uh, September the 28th. Of course, it goes all the way through. And then uh, we'll have an early bow season. It opens, I think, the second week of October, second or third week usually of October. And uh, it's about two weeks I, I believe and then uh then our gun season usually opens around the 10th of november and it'll go through uh, all the way through december and then we have like a christmas hunt around christmas and we have several uh have a couple of youth hunts that, that are scattered through there and then you have a late season muzzleloader that comes back in again in uh, january so you know you've got you've got quite a bit of uh gun hunting opportunities whether it be with a muzzleloader or a gun yeah it you know, sounds throughout like throughout the whole year really. that's pretty crazy yeah i didn't, I didn't realize I really all that I, yeah yeah no which of course that's private ground you know your your ymas and your uh you know like your wildlife management areas and uh refuges you'll just have permit hunts for for the muzzleloader and the gun so okay so on those permit type hunts can you still hunt with a bow? Can the average guy just go, like, say, say if I wanted to go on an out-of-state trip to Arkansas, could I go to any of those, or is it all pretty much, um, like, like drawn or quota hunt type things? No, you can you can hunt. Uh, yeah, anybody out-of-state can hunt during the bow, bow seasons. And now you could even bow hunt during the 7- to 10-day period that they have the uh, – rifle hunts but you'll have to have a permit so i mean you, know, you would have to you would have to draw a permit if you were going to bow hunt okay know? but as far as if you wanted to come up and you know hunt uh you know in october or you know early november during the regular bow season yeah you, you could come up and it's just a walk-on permit you know you, you can get the permit online it's just sign it and you're good to go that's cool now one thing that i've noticed about arkansas uh, I, I i think i've talked about it before but my sister lives there in uh, in kind of northwestern Arkansas, close to the mountains. And um, one of the things that I've noticed driving through the state, so basically I enter into Arkansas around Memphis, Tennessee, so that state line, and drive all the way through the state. And this past year and probably uh, two or three times before that that I've, that I've driven, made that trip, um, I, I see a lot of public ground um, just spread throughout the state. It, it seems like Arkansas has a ton of public land. Do you know off the top of your head what the percentage is of land that is public in Arkansas? I don't. I don't know what the percentage is, but you're, you're exactly right. We have a we have an abundance of public land. I mean, really, uh, there's there's wildlife management areas, and you know. Uh, refuges within driving distance i would say of any town in arkansas uh i mean you you've got you've got areas pretty much across the whole state so no matter where you live in the state you know you pretty well have some public land opportunities you don't have to drive too far 
Now, of course, some of them are probably better than others, but sure, you know, the, the opportunities there for sure. Well, one of the and things, a lot of diverse habitat. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. One of the things that I've noticed is it, it's kind of like you know I'm from Texas originally, and in Texas, mm-hmm. you can go to that state, and uh, while there's not hardly any public land uh, in Texas, there's it offers a little bit of everything whatever you want so if you want mountains you can go to west texas to fort davis and be in that mountain range you can if you want swamps you can go on the louisiana border some parts of east texas if you want hill country with cedars you can go to the hill country around san antonio if you want desert you can you can go to you know west texas in oil country you could go up north and get prairies you can go to South Texas and get brush country. Like you have kind of everything there, and it seems like Arkansas is is very similar in that you have a whole lot of. So if your specialty is hunting mountains, you can hunt the Ozark Mountains in Arkansas and crush it out there, you know. And uh, and there's a right. lot of public land right. around those areas. Um, that's pretty. Oh cool. yeah, huge national forest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you can start at, at one side, one end of the state, you know, like you were saying, around the Memphis area, and you're in the Delta. That, it's a bunch of farm ground, all the agriculture. And then you can go to South Arkansas, and it's pines and timber company ground, like probably y'all have in Alabama. And then, like you said, you get up north to Little Rock, and it's all mountains. So yeah. you've got a lot to choose from. Now, what, do you, what, is the, what is the type of terrain that you would consider yourself to be more comfortable with? Oh, without a doubt, the Delta, the bottoms. That's where I grew up, and that's where I do the majority of my hunting. So, you know, that's that's what I'm more, uh, you know, at home with, sure. for sure. So one of the things that comes to my mind when I think about Arkansas, and I'm sure a lot of people have probably, you know, at some point already in this conversation, when you think about Arkansas and you think about hunting, your mind immediately goes to ducks, is that something yeah. that that you spend a whole lot of time doing, or are you pretty much just a through and through deer hunter? Well, I, I as a kid growing up, I duck hunted a lot, and all the way up through high school, and even after getting out of high school, I duck hunted some. I, I haven't in years; it's probably been fifteen years or more since I've been. Uh, it was kind of deer hunting was a passion of mine, and always has been, especially bow hunting. And uh, was fortunate enough to have a lot of really good uh public land in my back door so to speak to hunt so the duck hunting eventually gave way to you know i it gets to the point you got you only got so much time for so many hobbies so sure. <laughs> i had to kind of pick my pick my you know what i like the best and i just kind of stuck with the, with the duck i mean with the deer hunting but yeah the, the duck hunting for sure is uh something i i grew up doing i've always been told by people uh that do not start duck hunting unless I'm ready for another addiction. And yeah. <laughs> I'm so caught up in deer and turkeys are making their way up there very quickly for me. I don't know that I can afford something else in my life that's going to take time away from family and work and just consume my thoughts. And so that's why I've never, I've actually never in my life been duck hunting. Now, most of the time I'll buy I'll buy the right stamps and all that kind of stuff just because it, it goes back towards the conservation and things like that. But mm-hmm. I've never been, and, and this year I found myself like, man, I kind of want to go. Like I've been listening to a lot of the uh, the Robertson family, the Duck Dynasty guys mm-hmm. podcast, mm-hmm. and it kind of got me a little bit fired up about duck 
duck hunting and I've never been. And so, um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if that ever actually takes place for me. But I know that like Arkansas is kind of like Iowa is to deer hunting sort of what Arkansas is for duck hunting. And, um, and and it's always, it's always kind of intrigued me, but the the thing that I want to know about that, about duck hunting and deer hunting in Arkansas once duck season opens, do you kind of feel like it relieves a lot of the pressure that maybe has been around a lot of the WMAs and the public land? It seems like, I guess I'll, I'll kind of explain that a little bit better. We have some WMAs out here that will get a ton of pressure um, from guys with mud motors and the big duck boats and stuff. They'll get a ton of pressure in early bow season. But once duck season opens up, these guys – pretty much quit deer hunting and they their focus shifts completely to ducks is that something that no. happens in arkansas as well or are yeah. you constantly having to battle pressure no well you you're i guess you're constantly having to battle pressure but that definitely does relieve some because a lot of guys uh that duck hunt oh old bow hunt like you said you know early but then when duck season starts they pretty much they're, they're duck hunting full time uh you know over in the areas where i hunt a lot of that is duck hunting you know that's where all the guys from across the state come to, to duck hunt too so you've got you've got duck hunting pressure to deal with some which can can help you a lot of times uh you know a lot of times all the duck hunters coming in and out of the woods and going out they're going into spots that normally a lot of people might not be you know deer hunting and it'll push they'll push a lot of those deer out you know and get them to moving sometimes so I mean that that can definitely work to your advantage too, you know. Sure. But um, but yeah, I, you do you see you see a, a you know a drastic decrease I would say probably especially a lot of locals because a lot of the locals you know are duck hunters so once uh once duck season opens you know they'll start duck hunting and you might not have as much you know much pressure from the locals you yeah. know that bow hunting. So. That's that's pretty interesting. Now, I know one of the things that you have, I don't know if it's a recent thing or if you've been doing it for a long time, is traditional bow hunting. Is that kind of a new thing for you, or is that... It is. No, it's new. Uh, I guess about three years, probably. Um, Started out uh, just wanting something different, a challenge, you know, kind of like everybody else that gets into it. Uh, Killed lots and lots of deer with a compound bow, and uh, just decided to try try uh, a recurve actually i bought a longbow to begin with and it was way over uh, it was too heavy the draw was way too heavy for me and created some issues with target panic and it took me forever to get work through that but ended up going to a, a 48 pound recurve and i've had some pretty you know i've had some success with it uh i've killed say three deer with it and i killed a bear in canada with it so uh, oh, it's oh, a lot of fun a what in Canada? I killed a bear, a black bear in Canada. A bear in Canada, okay. Uh-huh. That's yeah, cool. Yeah. So, yeah. so tell yeah, me about that a, learning curve. Fun, huh? Tell me about the learning curve with with trad bow versus well, compound. Yeah, it's there is definitely a learning curve. <laughs> Your accuracy, you know, is definitely not going to be what you you know what it would be with a compound, and plus you're not going to be able to draw back and hold as long, you know, like you, with the let off of a compound. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just basically getting your shots a lot closer. I like to, I really like to have my shots at 15 yards and in. I mean, 20 for no, for sure, no further than 20. But I would rather have them at 15 and in for me. 
Uh, I just actually recently, this last, this past year, uh, I went to a uh, different type of aiming system. I I started out shooting instinctive, and and that's what I shot some deer with, and, and that bear, you know, strictly instinctive, like if you were throwing a ball, just looking at where you wanted to hit, and. I found that sometimes I could go out and, and I could shoot really good, and then other days I'd go out and I could hardly hit the target, you know, and it was just inconsistent. And I started doing some research and looking at some YouTube videos and uh, come up with a uh, what they call a fixed crawl, which is basically using the tip of your arrow to aim with. Mm-hmm. So uh started shooting that this year and had a lot more uh a lot more luck with it. You know, it seems like my consistency is, is a lot better. So, yeah. And shooting out of a tree stand, it seems like it helps because in a tree stand, I would notice shooting instinctive, it would, it would really mess with your, you know, you, you would have to look basically under the deer to hit, you know, because you would mm-hmm. shoot high. And with this point of aim, it gives you a reference. You know, you're not really guessing. So, it seems like it helps me a lot. So, the thing that would tear me up always if i were to, so i bought one i have a i bought a recurve that i never put a string on oh, yeah. it I, I i have one sitting in my in my workshop right now and uh it, i'm i know it would work i know it would kill a deer i never put a string on it and, I, and i'm i'm going to i'm probably going to do it this off season but the thing that would just kill me is to go out and have an encounter with a good bucket let's say yeah. 30 or 35 yards and uh right. and not be able to do anything about it whenever i've got a recurve has that ever happened to you since you started doing it no it hasn't happened but believe me i think about that a lot and, <laughs> and really to be honest with you i don't i don't take mine much when it gets when the hunting really gets good and i'm you know like doing the rut times and you know post or late october through november you know i've got my compound because i'm still like you you know i want to kill a good buck so and that just you know i'm, I'm scared of that but I like to use mine early season if I'm going to shoot a doe or, you know, after I've killed a deer, maybe I might take it. And I still hunt with my compound probably more for sure. But, uh, you know, they're fun to, they're fun to shoot. You know, if you had an area that you just want to shoot some does, you know, that would be the perfect place to, to take it for sure. Yeah. I think it'd be fun. And I've got some of those type of places that I, that I know, I say, I know, I feel very confident that I won't see a really good buck in it so i won't have to put right. myself in that situation but it's got it's loaded up with those and so that's kind of my plan going forward with it um so i, I kind of want to get into the into the meat of this episode because um mm-hmm. i've got a lot of things that i want to talk to you about um but just just kind of moving backwards the 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 thing that i've seen from you we i joined the the arkansas mobile hunters facebook page that you started here a while back and mm-hmm. um i've seen i've seen some of the the things that you've posted and it seems like looking from my perspective what it seems like you do a whole lot of is in-season scouting and i'll see your videos that you post up on that page kind of describing what you're looking for and the things that you're things that you're finding throughout different times of the season and what i know and what a lot of guys listening to this podcast probably know as well is that each time each part of the season has different um, different factors that you're you're going to be looking for different things that are going to be affecting the deer movement. So um, let's just say from from an Alabama perspective, right? So what I see in the early early part of the season, it's everything's green, it's super thick, 
Um, bucks aren't really on their feet a lot during the daylight outside of their core area. Acorns haven't dropped yet. That's right. something that I dealt with this year because we had an earlier opener. I dealt with hunting areas uh-huh. where the acorns hadn't actually dropped yet, so they weren't they weren't hitting the normal spots that I normally get to start out with. And so you have that part, which in right. September, where you're at, I'm sure is very similar. And then moving uh-huh. moving further into October, you start getting um, acorns start falling. You start seeing a lot of that that mast start producing and, and deer really focusing on that. You might even have some daylight movement from from mature bucks. And then moving forward into the season, you've got you know other other factors like the the pre rut. Then you got the rut. Then you got the post rut. Then you got late season. And so there's all different kinds of things that you're dealing with there in Arkansas from September 28th or whatever through February. Right. So I want to break down as good as we can. I know it's going to be a okay. lot, but I want to break down the different the different seasons, I guess, within your deer season there in Arkansas and hopefully help people kind of figure out what they're looking for at each part of the season. So before we get into that, is is there any way that you could break down kind of the way that I did what you're dealing with in Arkansas early season, just the different segments, I guess, of the season? Yeah. 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 Um, so you're exactly right. Like the, the first part of our bow season, the acorns have not you know started dropping yet. And they typically don't start dropping. You know, the pin oaks are usually the ones that will fall the earliest, the water oaks, pin oaks. Uh, then your white oaks will start falling, you know, into October. But before the acorns start falling, um, I'm real big on, on hunting uh, honey locust trees. And if I can find one, especially if it's in cover, you know, some, some really good security cover, that's what I'm going to key in on. And, you know, persimmons too. Persimmon trees are a good early season food source. Of course, if you've, you know, if you're fortunate enough that you got some public land that borders some soybean fields and stuff, you can catch deer, you know, coming to those fields a lot of times. So that's another option. But, you know, early season, that's before the acorns really start falling. That's kind of what I'm, that's what I'm looking for. And, you know, really honing in on those honey locust trees. I've had some success hunting them and they're, uh, I don't know what it is about them, but it seems like bucks are more attracted to them. Than, than other things for some reason i get a lot of a lot of bucks come to them so when you're hunting but when you're when you're looking for those honey locust trees is there any any like habitat that you find them i guess first off describe as best as you can a honey locust for anybody listening who doesn't know what that is yeah. and then is there something like in river bottoms or right next to water or in thickets wow. like where where do you typically find those things at yeah, they're a lowland tree, and so, you know, they have a long pod that basically kind of looks like a, a green bean-type pod, but they're a, a dark color. The trees, the, the honey locust trees are usually, the honey locusts, they don't have the thorns. Now, the black the black locusts, they have a smaller pod. Now, they're, they're the ones that have all the, horn, the, the thorns on them. Now, deer will eat those, too, but they prefer the, they prefer the honey locusts, and they're a, a lot longer pod. You know, some of those pods are probably seven eight inches long so and they're they're pretty distinctive looking but they're a lowland tree so you know they're they're growing in the bottoms a lot of times they're in swamps you know, on the edges of swamps uh i actually uh, found one last year uh early before bow season and it was in the middle of a cane thicket and i put a camera on it and uh it was one of those 
spots that I just kind of forgot about. And I was hunting, actually hunting another honey locust not too far from that one. And, uh, ended up forgetting about that camera. And I went in there and got it in October, late October. And of course the batteries were dead on it. And I had, I think like 1100 pictures and numerous bucks in there, uh, opening the bow season in daylight and four o'clock in the afternoon. And so, you know, that's, that's on the radar for this year, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I'll remember that. And I'll definitely be in there hunting because it's, it's in the perfect spot. It's, it's surrounded by cane and that's the key to, really any feed tree uh if it's on you know land that gets very much pressure it needs to have some good cover around it and uh, that's that's really what i'm looking for now now when you but, when you hunt these these honey locusts or when you're finding these honey locusts through scouting or um either postseason off season whatever whenever you're actually finding them are they a type of tree that will produce the same every single year or is it do they have like like oaks a lot of times you'll have some that just yeah. the mass crop is terrible how does that work with a honey locust tree in my experience they produce every year uh at least the ones that i've that i've found you know they drop every year and that's a big a big plus to them uh because you know like you said oaks you know some years you'll you'll have that they don't produce mm-hmm. uh, but these honey locusts seem to seem to drop every year so that's a that's a good thing you know when you can find one especially when it's located in good cover because i mean there's not a lot of um there's not a lot of really good productive early season spots yeah and when you find something like that you know and then you find a tree that drops on a regular basis pretty much every season you know barn you don't have a drought or something uh you know that's kind of a gold mine so and you're finding a lot of these um, to, uh, w- I guess when the deer are eating them there in that early season, are they eating them straight off the, straight off the tree or are they, are they, dropped no, they fall. Okay. So yeah, they, they fall drop. early. Mm-hmm. They, they typically do. Now, sometimes they'll, some of the, some of the trees will drop a little later. It's kind of crazy, you know, and that's something that a person could do. Definitely. If you could, you know, you could log, log the different trees that you find and kind of, you know, make make notes of when they drop because some of them will drop later than others, but they typically do drop early. You know, okay, for the most part. So, would you say? I I, I guess what I was gonna do was go through all these and then go backwards, but um, I think we can. I think we could probably just break down each thing as we go. Um, that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's podcasting, I guess. Podcasting one hundred and one is don't right. make any really solid plans. Um, <laughs> but uh, but so so. Regardless of what type of tree, I don't want to harp too much on just the honey locust because I know there's a, a, yeah. a ton of other things that you're hunting at that point. But would you say in that first part of the season that you're still basically all your hunts are revolving around food? Yes, 100%. It, really the whole season, I mean, barring the rut, you know, but my, my focus – is usually toward food sources you know like i said other than during the rut periods i'll hunt some bedding areas and stuff doe bedding and, and buck bedding and stuff but you know most of the time it's uh it's it's based around food or it's in a funnel location going to or from food to bedding you know bed to feed so but you know it all it all kind of goes back to, to cover and, and food would you say that during that time of the season the the earliest part of your season that that um food to bedding um 
distance, I guess, is significantly shorter. Yes, yes. And really, where I hunt, which this one area that I hunt the most gets a lot of pressure. And, I mean, it's really like that any time of the year. And, you know, I, I stress that a lot on my page when I make posts. I, you know, really, a really simplified way to do it was just, you know, you find a hot food source and you just look around for the nearest thick cover. And that's kind of where you need to set up. Because they're going to be, they're going to come, you know, they're going to use the, the thickest cover they can the shortest amount of distance to that tree. So, you know, that's kind of the way the way I've always hunted, and it, it seems to work pretty good. Yeah. They want to be hid. Definitely. Definitely. I see a lot of the same stuff. Now, you mentioned that you you hunt a lot of bedding during the rut. Is is that type of, like, hunting, hunting in bedding without I guess obviously if they're bedding somewhere, then there's probably a food source close by. But one of the things that I've been more successful with in early season in that part of the season is, I mean, crowding up real as close as I can possibly get to a core area, not necessarily thinking about the food source that they're going to be going to or a funnel necessarily that they're going to be using, but just getting into a bedding area where I might catch a buck up in here during the daylight. Is that something that you do as well? Yes, yeah, yeah. I always, you know, I always try to hunt close, close to that thick cover where I where I suspect them to be bedding because that's just, uh, you know, that's generally where they're going to come from. Especially like you said early, because they they usually bed pretty close to their food sources, you know, early season mm-hmm. for sure. So, and that you know that's why uh, we talked about earlier about the about the funnel situation. You know, in the mornings, early season especially, uh, it is just so hard to get in on a food source without running them off you know they're usually already in there whether it be an acorn tree or, or whatever so i like to try to find a funnel area that's leading from a feeding and it could be a bean field even it could be a bean field on private ground a quarter mile away but they're coming back to a, a cedar thicket and i got a real tight funnel you know between the two and i'll hunt that funnel because i can slip in there in the mornings without running deer off because they're out there on the beans or they're in transition coming off the beans and they still you know, I'm not going in there and blowing them off. So if you're hunting an acorn tree in the mornings, a lot of times you run the deer off. At least, mm-hmm. you know, that's been my experience. Yeah. I, I, I would much rather go in the afternoons. I definitely agree. I would rather, I'd rather be, I'd rather in the, in the mornings, I'd rather cr- try to crowd as close to that bedding area. If it's a funnel right. or whatever, that's great. But if it's, you know, there, I have the best opportunity, I feel like, of, of seeing a buck on his feet if I'm closer to that bedding, you know, as they're, um, coming back from food, back from feeding during the, during the, uh, the nighttime. So, um, that's, that's cool. Is there any other, any other specific types of food sources that you're looking for during that part of the season? Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, persimmons can always be good. Um, you know, uh, now really after the first couple week or so of bow season, you know, the first week of October, we start having some acorns fall. A lot of times these water oaks, a lot of people call them pin oaks in Arkansas. They're just a small acorn. They're usually the first ones to drop, and the deer will, you know, wear them out. So, I, I you know, it doesn't take me very long to start focusing my attention to, to acorn trees. And then, you know, right after that, you start having some white oaks falling. Uh, like, say, the second, third week of bow season, you mm-hmm. typically start having some white oaks falling, and they're – 
you know, red oaks are really good. Uh, depending on the particular area that I'm in, you know, it, it's kind of odd. I can go one of the areas that I hunt a lot is the, it's mainly red oak, the northern strain of red oak. But I can drive literally 15 miles to the true river bottoms, and I'm 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 hunting those big striped red oaks. So I mean, it's uh, you know, just that little bit of change you know there's all the difference in the world as far as mass you know what they might be keying in on overcups are good uh, you know in the bottoms there's a lot of acorns different uh species of acorns that they'll feed on but so you that's kind of what i focus my attention on you said pin oaks and water oaks are usually the earliest to drop in your area yes okay yeah yeah and yeah that that's usually the ones that we see following first the, the the small you know little small pin oak type acorns okay i got you and so that's uh that's pretty similar to what i deal with here in alabama i think a lot of people probably from Alab from georgia florida alabama um throughout the southeast you know there's gonna be that type of terrain you know flat river bottom type property mm-hmm. you know in, in each of these states and a lot of people you know, key in on different things during that time of the year. But you mentioned, so the, the second, I guess, phase moving forward is, is when you have a lot of those uh, oak trees that start dropping. So the way that I always kind of um, define is based on white oak species and red oak species. And typically the red oaks are going to be more of a late season food source just because of the acidity level inside of them and and things like that it preserves them a little Mm. bit longer and they're they're a little bit more bitter in the in the early season when they first drop just things like that um but you mentioned focusing some on red oaks during the early part of the season can you kind of explain that a little bit yeah i mean you know if if they're falling uh it's all based it's going to be based on the sign you know it it doesn't really matter to me as long as the deer signs there. But I mean, I have found red oaks that are dropping, you know, earlier, which, which you're exactly right. A lot of times the red oaks are, are late to drop, and it's it's kind of, you know, we'll have some that'll drop earlier in the year, and then you'll have some that'll be it'll be in December and they're dropping. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's kind of, the the red oaks are kind of sporadic as far as when they drop, but uh, you know, the white oaks they typically or, you know, October, late October into November is like their peak. But, um, you know, I kind of know from previous experiences where I'm kind of areas where there might be some red oaks that are dropping a little early, you know, and I might go in and check them or, or white oaks or whatever it may be. And, uh, you know, if the sign's there, I'll hunt. And of course, you know, it's got, there's got to be deer sign in there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to bother, you know, hunting them, but, um, it's just kind of a, a constant scouting, you know, every day, basically that, that I go hunting. I'm, I'm, if I go in the morning, I'm getting down after I get through hunting, I'm, I'm looking for a place to hunt that afternoon, looking for something, you know, fresh yeah. time to get on. So I want to, I want to know. So one of the things that I have noticed about what you do is a lot of the in season scouting. I think I mentioned that earlier and, um, when I when I go into a lot of my areas, right, I'm going into, uh, I guess you would call it a, a grove of white oaks. So if I have an area that has just a ton of white oaks, I can assume that there's maybe one, even if I haven't scouted it or been there that season, 
I can assume that there's one that is probably produced. Um, and mm. a lot of times I won't know until I actually go and hunt it and see where the deer are going and which direction. But I'm, I am definitely getting into those funnel type areas that lead to those white oaks. When you, when you talk about in season scouting, um, are you doing any preseason scouting to kind of know, I guess, I guess the right answer, the right, the right question is on these areas, do you have any type of historical data that you're going by when you, when you first dive into an area for that season? Does that make sense? Maybe. Yeah. 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 And I do that a lot. Yeah. That's what I was saying. You know, a lot of times it's areas that I've hunted for years. So I kind of know, you know, where, where, what acorn trees are going to generally produce and you know, if they're going to drop earlier, you know, they're going to be a little bit lighter to drop. And I'll do some preseason scouting too. You know, I'll go out squirrel hunt most season. And a lot of times, you know, you can find a, a feed tree like that. You know, squirrels are up in it, knocking acorns out. Um, you know, deer will, will come to them. A lot of times they'll come to those trees before the acorns are even falling good because the squirrels are up there knocking them out because they're feeding, you know, cutting acorns. Mm-hmm. So that's another a little tip. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I... I usually have an idea of where I'm going to go before I actually go. But, you know, uh, as far as me saying, okay, I'm going to go hunt this tree, you know, I will do that some if it's in a funnel area or, you know, a known bedding area or something. But as far as most of the time, if I'm hunting acre, a food source, I just put my saddle and my pack on my, on my back and walk in and, and just let the sign tell me where I need to be, you know. Mm-hmm. and that's kind of the way i do it but i i generally do have a, a, a area in mind because of like you said you know previous experience acres should be falling in there hey there's some big white oaks should be dropping so, so i definitely do that do you during this time of the season are you going i guess this is more this is going to be more of just like a yes or no yes or no question and then i'm going to ask you a question to follow this up are you going into any okay. areas in the early season during this time of the year, I guess you could say the second phase um, of of your season. Are you going in any of these areas blind, like with no historical data on it? I mean, I will occasionally. Uh, sometimes I will, but you know, usually um, if it's in a if it's a area that I've hunted a lot, you know, say a wildlife man- management area that I've been hunting for years. I'll kind of have an idea, you know, it may be an area that I've never actually been in, but I know from the train, you know, and the features that it probably would have some decent trees in there that might be dropping. So yeah, I'll do that, you know, sometimes. And I guess you, you'd be going totally blind basically, but yeah, uh, I still have an idea, you know, what should be there. And sometimes I don't find the sign, you know, I, I tell guys on the page that we have all the time. I said, you know, sometimes I'll go in and, uh, I may walk in at noon and walk until dark and never find something, never find anything worth hunting, you know, and I'm not going to just hunt to hunt. You know, I want to be, you know, I want to be in a high percentage type situation. So I, I like to have, you know, good sign. Yeah. And a lot of guys would say to that, they're like, well, I don't want to just waste my time. And the, the fact of the matter is, is you could spend four or five hours hanging up in a tree and right. there not be sign, or you could spend that four or five hours trying to find a spot where, Hey, the next morning that you get to go, you can go and, and hunt that area. So I definitely, I definitely agree with you there, but that kind of leads me to the follow up on that. As far as going into an area blind in the type of 
place that you're hunting, so river bottoms and things like that. When you're looking at a map, when you're looking at the type of terrain or um, trying to find a spot where maybe you haven't been to before, what are the things that are sticking out to you on a map that make you go there in the first place? Well, you know, like I said, I always gravitate, you know, kind of like you said you do, toward water, you know, situations. So, you know, I, I usually know that if there's a, a creek or a, you know, a bio or, or whatever it may be, you know, some water sources, there's probably going to be some decent acorn trees, you know, around those, and I always kind of key in on that. Uh, sometimes I'll know where some thickets are at. Say there's a swamp. I, this is a, something I do a lot. If there's a big swamp, like a big beaver swamp, and we have several of them on this one area that I hunt, you know, I love to walk the transitions to swamps, and usually you're going to find a good tree that's dropping. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the ideal place to set up to try to ambush, you know, a deer coming out of that swamp. Uh, I do that a lot. So, you know, I, I may I may have a bedding area in mind a lot of times, but uh, on a map, you know, I might look and say, hey, there's a swamp or, hey, there's a, a cedar thicket. And I'll just walk that transition as far as I need to walk it looking for a, a, a good food source, you know, whether it's an acorn tree or, or honey locust or whatever it may be. Yeah. So I do do that a lot with maps. Okay, so so going in and looking and and looking for a for the the type of habitat that you're nest that you're that you're looking for, but then actually mm-hmm. still going in and doing your your scouting as you're walking through. That makes a lot of sense, and I think a lot of guys a lot of guys are familiar with that you know that tactic. I guess you could call it. I where I'm hunting at, it's not necessarily always that way. Because I'm hunting a lot of a lot of hills and hollers and in more rugged country, and so there are mm-hmm. terrain features that you can see through uh, topo maps that say, "Hey, this is more than likely if the vegetation and everything lines up, they're going to use this type of terrain feature to get from one place to the other." So you can kind of predict that a little bit better. But one thing that I know is here in this late season, I have been uh, hunting a different area. I've been hunting more swampy river bottom type land, just trying to challenge myself being tagged out on bucks. I've, I've been able to um, go in there with kind of a no pressure situation and try to kill a doe and learn how deer are moving through these type of areas. And, and that's been something that I've definitely been doing because it's not the same. You do have to go in, in these swamps and really put boots on the ground and walk these transition areas to find the right things that you're looking for. And so I definitely see, where you're coming from uh, on that end. So moving forward into the season, um, you've got what the country, a lot of the country describes as the October lull, right? So a lot of the, maybe the, maybe the acorns have been eaten up a little bit or whatever, you know, it's right before you get into the rut. What would you say is, is the next part of your season right after, after the kind of the, I guess initial excitement of early the season. acorns falling. Yeah, you've got the, the third part of the early season. What would that be for you? Well, I, to be honest with you, I still kind of focus my attention toward them. You know, and, and you're exactly right. I typically that third week, uh, a lot of times will slow down. You know, of October, I'm kind of just biding my time, waiting on, uh, you know, that last week, say from halloween up through the you know into november and then i start you know kind of switching over toward rut mode you know thinking a little mm-hmm. different i'll be I'll, I'll be 
I'll, that's really the only time that I kind of back off of hunting food. So I, you know, I say that, I mean, I still, they're always there, you know, but I don't, uh, I don't particularly just go out looking for food sources. You know, I, I may move more into some, and that's where spots that I typically have scouted from the year before a lot, you know, postseason or other spots that I've had previous, you know, years of experience hunting. And uh, I kind of save them for those rut, you know, the rut spots. Uh, they're more bedding area, you know, locations or primary scrape areas. I like to hunt those a lot. If you can find a good one, you know, and there's not a lot of those around there. It's, it's not really about the scrape. It's more about the licking branches. Yeah. And, uh, explain you that. Can find one. Explain that because I've heard, well, I've heard different opinions on that. I want to hear what you think about it. Yeah. So this year, uh, matter of fact, I, every deer I killed this year was in out of the same tree, which I shot, uh, two does out of that tree and I missed that buck. Uh, I was telling you about, but so that was a primary scrape. And I, I had found that scrape, uh, before season in September, there was a cedar tree right on the edge of a bedding area. And I was looking around, uh, just doing some preseason scouting and that cedar tree still had the big branches broke and there was like three branches broke and which of course the scrape, you know, was, was covered up i mean it was it was early before you know those seasons so i just remembered that and actually no actually i put a camera on it. i did i put a camera on that and i was getting bucks working that thing in velvet before season came in and they would come in and work those uh licking branches so i really didn't hunt it early uh i just kind of waited and uh went in there and, and started hunting you know in october toward the, the end of october but Ended up getting uh, shot at a pretty decent buck in there, but yeah, those those areas can be really really good, you know, especially uh, like in our area. You know, I know everybody's rut's kind of different, but like October, the the late Halloween time frame is really good for for those type of locations. When you when you're finding these uh, primary scrapes slash licking branches. Um, are you finding that the ones that produce and the ones that are actually active during, during that time, obviously scrapes are going to start opening up the, the closer you get to the rut, but those first ones that start opening up, like you're talking about, um, I know where I'm at, that is, you can pretty well assume that you're in a core area for that. Is that kind of how it works right. there as well? Yeah. Yeah. It's usually in a bedding area situations, you know, where are a lot of deer traffic, maybe between maybe it's maybe it's a funnel location between two bedding areas and that's generally where i find them mm-hmm. uh i had one that i killed i think i killed four bucks out of a tree over you know several year period and it was in the corner of a uh old grown-up field and uh, it was just one of them spots i mean they scraped right there every year and you if you waited you were going to get shot opportunities you know if you waited till late october to hunt it but they ended up clearing that uh that thicket making a food plot so it kind of messed that messed it up but you know you had the security cover it was seizures and stuff and they cleared all of it and kind of messed it up that was a really good spot but yeah i typically find them uh you know in bedding area or right on the edges of thickets yeah it, that, i actually killed a buck that way this year um not necessarily well i at false i killed two bucks this year in similar type situations, one of them was right on the edge of a really thick bedding area. A buck came out at about, 
9.30 or so, 9 o'clock, 9.30, and uh, I killed him on a licking branch that I knew was a licking branch from last year, and it's the spot where our rut, our rut doesn't typically heat up until December. I killed this deer at the beginning of uh, November, I think, so kind of in that, like not anywhere right. close to the rut, but I knew that last year I had found these scrapes right on the edge of the bedding area, and I knew when I needed to be in there if I wanted to try to kill a buck in there early, and I did that. The other one, the first buck I killed this year was the same type of situation, but with rubs on uh, right outside of a big, giant clear cut where the deer were bedding at, and these rubs were basically telling me, you know, this was, I mean, this was in October when I killed this buck, and those rubs were telling me, yeah, this is the first spot where these these bucks are coming out at, out of this clear cut, right. straight here. And so I was right in the middle of that, in the middle of that core area and killed both of those bucks um, within like a, a week and a half of each other on similar type tactics. And we talk about it fairly often here um, on the podcast about hunting over scrapes and hunting over rubs because most of the time people are hunting those areas, you know, closer to the rut and a lot of times in the southeast it just doesn't produce for you um, like it does in some places in the midwest hunting over a big scrape or hunting over Uh, a big rub is that something that you have seen there as well in arkansas where it just there's a certain time of the season that it seems like those areas produce more yeah and it's a certain location too you know Mm -hmm. where they're at uh we find you can find scrapes just like I'm sure y'all can. You can find them down in the logging road. You know, it's at the right time of the year. If it's like right around the rut, there's scrapes everywhere. Yeah. But you, you know, you set up on that stuff. You're probably not going to kill a deer. But a lot of a lot of these spots, like I'm talking about, what I call a primary scrape, and it's it's really more about that licking branch. Or the, there's a lot of times there'll be three or four licking branches over that same you know scrape. But that's a uh, a spot that. There's a lot of it's usually really close to where they're bedding at, so you you're going to get more you know a lot of different bucks working it, and it's kind of like you were saying about the rubs, you know. And I find the same thing when you find a lot of a concentration of rubs right on the edge of some really thick cover. I mean, that's pretty well you know that's where that buck's either coming out or entering, you know, going back to bed. So that's really the only time I play pay much attention to rubs. You know, I don't really hunt rub lines, so to speak, either, but. You know, it's just an indication that there's buck travel out there, mm-hmm. and uh, that's kind of how I key in on it. <clears throat> but yeah, those those big primary scrapes can be really, really good. Uh, you know, at the right times of the year, and it seems like they work those early. You know, the, those are like the first ones that start. You know, get worked. Yeah. Like, so I heard a podcast with Andre DeQuisto, and uh, this was probably a year and a half ago, or two years maybe that I heard this podcast, but he was talking about the similar thing. You know, they kill uh, him and Cody, the the guys that do Lone Wolf Custom Gear. Mm-hmm. They kill right. a lot of their bucks in October. They they have a lot of success in the quote-unquote lull time, and a lot of it is built around this same thing that we're talking about. And he's talked about the fact that when you can find those licking branches, it's going to look like a scrape because deer have been standing in that spot. It, it, and it probably uh-huh. is a scrape at a certain time of the season. But they're they're all hitting that licking branch when you're close to bedding, and it's kind of a pecking order type deal. And so right. at some point during that day, a lot of the bucks are going to come out of that bedding area and 
try to establish their position in the pecking order, and that's why it can mm-hmm. it can kind of produce. Do you do you see um, when you find these type of those type of licking branches? Do you find that there's uh, uh, an increased amount of buck activity in there, or is it kind of one of those things where you might catch one? No, yeah, it's definitely an increased amount of bucks, and it's all different age classes. That's another thing. You know, you'll mm-hmm. you'll have spikes coming in there, working those branches, and then an hour later, you may have a hundred thirty inch deer come in there working. So it's just like a, you know, I kind of look at it like it's a, a fire hydrant that every neighborhood dog is going to come over and pee on. You know, they they all got to come over there and pee on it, and yeah, it's just kind of like the center a center point for all this groups of deer that are coming through and like i said earlier you know it's usually when i find them it's in areas where there's a lot of doe traffic because that's you know that's what they're doing they're coming through they're checking to see you know what hot does may have come through and you know it's just a bunch of a bunch of different bucks checking it out so mm-hmm. yeah that's kind of what and i run i've run cameras on them too so you know that's what i've noticed uh you know it's it's just a bunch of different age class of deer that's interesting. That's that's really cool. That's something I've been uh, actively searching for. I mean, I, you don't find a lot of those that you can No, you don't. Hunt. They're pretty rare. Um, would you say... They are rare. Would you say that that it's, um, I guess, like, for me, I've found, like, maybe one or two. Is Has it been a whole lot different for you where you're at? No. No, it's the same. And, you know, like I said, I had that one real good one, and then it, now it's it's gone, you know? So, yeah. And there's not a lot of them out there. The, the one that I was talking to you about earlier uh, that I just hunted this past year, I just found it this previous season, you know, early season. I was just out walking around doing a little bit of scouting and uh, happened upon it. And it was actually in an area, I mean, it was it was close to some thick cover, a little grown-up cedar field and stuff. So, I mean, it had all the stuff there, but it was also really close, not too far from the parking area. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking – I don't know about it, you know, but I said, I'm going to throw a camera up on it. And I started getting all these bucks, you know, pictures. And it turned out to be one of my better spots that I hunted this year. So, you know, you just never know if it's in the right location. You know, it doesn't necessarily always have to be a mile and a half back in the woods. So. Sure. Sure. All right. So moving, moving on from that. So that's kind of your quote unquote October lull strategy. So now we're getting into a uh, a more rut type scenario. When it comes to in season scouting during the rut, what is the what are the things that you're looking for? Okay. Well that if if there's any time during the deer season where I don't do as much in season scouting it would probably be during the rut. Okay. Now I still do some, but it's probably because it it's, well, it is because I've I've already got places that I know I'm going to hunt, and I may sit up there all day. I do more all-day sits, of course, just like everybody else does during the rut. Mm-hmm. So I put my, you know, that's kind of like the time when, you know, that's the time to shine. So you're going to put more time in a stand, and, you know, I want to try to, uh, you never know, a buck could come through at any time. So you want to definitely, you know, maximize your odds by staying in trees as much as possible. So yeah. I probably don't do as much daily scouting during that time but uh i still do look at spots you know it's not like i go in there and camp out in this one bedding area for the next month you know i'll hunt it some and if i'm not seeing much i'll i'll go to another area that i've got in mind and if you know i'll look for some sign look for some rubs maybe look for some fresh scrapes uh not always 
it's not always, you know, about finding a lot of fresh scrapes and rubs. I mean, a lot of a lot of that time of the year is more just uh, kind of knowing where the buck should be, you know, and, and having some ideas from postseason scouting. You know, I may have went in there and found a spot and in, in February, March, and there was still a bunch of old rubs and you know stuff and. and so I would, I would say that that's probably where I was going to hunt and end up, you know, hunting there in November. So that's kind of the way, way I usually do that. What's your rut? What's your rut time time frame there in Arkansas? Well, it's kind of it's kind of different. It's crazy, really, because uh, like a lot of the that wildlife management area that I hunt a lot, I would you know November I would say is definitely you know peak thanksgiving but then you can just drive a little ways over to white refuge and it's like december is your best time you know so but i would say november through december are the two best months by far to you know for for rut action okay where i'm at yeah so you have so you have a little bit of ability like we have here to kind of chase the rut for a couple months where you could you know maybe in a time where you would typically not spend a lot of uh time i guess in the in the late season so once rut is over is probably the slowest time of the season that i've that i've at least that i've experienced and talking to a lot of people that right after the rut is tough like it's going to be about the toughest time yeah post rut yeah post rut gets hard gets difficult but it sounds like you can you know once your rut's over you have the ability to kind of skip the post rut and go to another primary rut and uh and hunt that I don't want to. I don't want to spend just a ton of time talking about what you're doing during the rut. I think everybody kind of knows the rut's the rut, and it's amazing, right. and it can be awesome. And sometimes there's not even a lot of tactics that you have to use. Bucks are going to be the most vulnerable. They're going to be running around. They're going to be on their feet. Just get out, be in the woods, be in a good spot, find does. You're going to find bucks. That, that seems pretty pretty typical. Is that pretty right? Yeah, where you know, bedding scenarios and right mm-hmm. bedding funnel situations. Yeah. For sure. That's pretty much, you know. But, you know, moving into late season now, you, you're talking about, like, post-rut, of course, can be difficult. But, like, right now, say January, which we're here right here at February now, but even February, too, if you had a season that lasted that long. But I would say, and I told a, a buddy of mine this the other day, I said, if you're just wanting to shoot deer, and even maybe killing a good buck still, late season might be one of the best times uh, for where, where we're at because like this one particular area that i hunt a lot uh there's a lot of food plots on it this wildlife management area well those food plots typically get a ton of pressure during october you know november people you know you can see them right off the road a lot of them they're easy access so a lot of people hunt them and you typically don't see a very good you know very many deer period and you sure don't see very many good bucks on them Mm-hmm. but if you go in there and hunt those spots now when there's not very much pressure because a lot of people are done bow hunting and there's still going to be some diehards that are going but you're not going to you're going to i would say your, your pressure sure going to be cut in half at least and those deer they're limited really really limited on food sources green anything green is where they're going to be i mean you it's not just a food plot it could be a green briar patch it could be uh you know, uh, uh, privet hedge, anything that's it's got some like chlorophyll type stuff in it, they're going to be they're going to be on it. Green grass in the woods, uh, I found patches of grass just growing out in the woods, certain areas, and deer were, were hitting it. So, 
So uh, honeysuckle is another really good late season food source. Uh, but you can hunt those places and see a lot of deer, and they group back up. You know, the bucks are grouped back up now. You'll obviously see five or six bucks come out on those fields. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like early season. It's basically like an early season scenario, but I think the deer move a lot better because you've got a lot better temperatures. It's cold, so that the deer are going to move better, and you don't have uh, the pressure situation, and they're really, really limited on what they've got to eat. You can still find occasionally find some acorns in January, and those can be really good. You know, overcuts sometimes drop uh, kind of late in the river bottoms. The red oaks, the big striped red oaks that we were talking about earlier. But, uh, you know, like say from now, especially from now to the end of our season, which is longer than most anyone's, but green is, is where you need to be. Uh, I, we may go tomorrow afternoon and we're going to be on a food plot. We hunted that food plot a few weeks ago. I hadn't been able to go much lately because work, but last time I hunted it, uh, had a 10-point, pretty nice 10-point come out an hour and a half before dark, and I would have never thought that would have happened, hmm. you know, on public ground. He came out in that food plot and walked all the way across it, he was 70 yards as close as he ever got to me. And then I had like, I don't know, eight or nine or 10 does come out after that. And I shot a doe. So, I mean, we, you know, you can really capitalize on, on some of those areas that you normally wouldn't hunt maybe, you know, in yeah. November and October yeah. in the late season. So when you're, when you're going in and doing more in-season scouting, it seems like late season is a really good time to do it because there's no – there's no telling, you know, what's what you're gonna find that green. You know, you don't know like I know there's a green wire right. right here, you know, that's gonna have the the tips nipped off of it. That's kinda how you can typically tell if deer have been in there feeding on it. Is there right. anything that you're looking at on a map that says, Okay, it's late season, let's say it's January, February, late season, uh, I'm looking at my map, I see this right here. That I'm going to go in there and I'm going to scout that and find the food source. Is there anything that sticks out to you yeah. um, from a 10,000-foot map view? Well, I mean, obviously on a food plot, you know, you can see that from the map. But yep. on, on other food sources that are green, you know, like we were talking about the green, uh, the honeysuckles one, it's, it's a, I talked about this on the page a few weeks ago. The edges of clear cuts, a lot of times will have honeysuckle growing and uh, it'll be the only thing green, and those deer tend to really flock to that. Any kind of transition, a lot of times, you know, you'll have a, say, an open woods transition, and there may be a swamp, or there may be a thicket, there may be some uh, honeysuckle, or like you said, a cutover growing, and that's that's something that you can pick up on a map and say, well, here's a transition between two terrain features, you know, two uh, habitats, and you can go in and look. Because that honeysuckle is an edge, you know, it grows in, in the edge areas. Okay. Now going back and, to you know, Greenbrier too. Going back to honey locust pods, that's something that you focus on a lot during the during the early season. Is that I've heard people talk about those pod type trees or pod type, I guess fruits uh, that that grow. Those being really good during the late season. Do you focus on that at all during that time frame? Talking about the honey locust. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you can find them now. That's what I was going to say. You know, they typically fall early where I'm at, but every now and then you'll find some that are late season, and I've killed deer late season on them. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's just one of them deals. You know, it's kind of like we talked about before, those licking branches. You find one of those trees, and it's falling late, that's a gold mine. You know, you need to definitely need to keep that in your radar, you know, mark that on your map and keep that 
stash back, you know. And a lot of times, that's what I do, you know, because I've hunted this, these areas for so many years. I'll have ideas, you know. I'll say, oh, well, there's a, there's a tree back here that used to drop slate. I'm going to go back there and check it, you know. So, but, yeah, that's definitely uh, a late-season Source, food source that you can key on too seems like they like green a little better but but yeah. i have uh i have actually killed some deer on honey locust light that fell light okay now we you've talked about a lot of different types of of potential food sources during this time of the season is there one that you say if i find this in this spot i'm 100 percent every time gonna hunt it well, yeah, I mean that, that that green grass is <laughs> whether it be a ryegrass field or a, a uh, or even some secluded uh, grass in the woods or or a food plot. You know, it just seems like this time of the year that green is, is where they're going to be. You know, a, a, a field type. Not necessarily. It doesn't necessarily have to be a field, but I mean, you know, a, a grass type situation. Yeah. But there again, you know, the honeysuckle can be really good too. But yeah. You know, I've probably focused late season. The majority of my hunting is going to be geared more toward the grass, you know, the, the food, the rye grass or the, the food plots type stuff. But, uh, you know, that one particular food plot that we were hunting the other day, I got it. It is a perfect example of what we've been talking about this whole podcast. I hadn't hunted in two or three weeks, hadn't even really been. And I was like, I, kn- I mean, I knew they were going to be on those food plots. And there was a bunch of them over there. But, you you know, they're not on all of them. you got to mm-hmm. go over and just scout. So I went over there and uh, midday and started walking. And this one particular one was on my radar because it was in an area that's kind of secluded. And uh, I walked over there. And, I mean, this thing is just, it, it was unreal, the amount of tracks. You could literally not take a step without stepping on deer tracks huh. and deer droppings. I mean, they were just hammering it. And what made it so good is one side was a real thick area with some privet hedge and it went back toward a swamp and it was a really good bedding area. So they had a lot of really good cover close and uh, ended up setting up on it. And sure enough, that buck, I, you know, it just it was crazy that buck come out that early. I actually videoed him on my phone. I didn't have a real good video. He's probably 120-inch deer and come out and then come all the way across and then, then the does come out. But... Uh, but yeah, that would probably be where I would focus. You know, me where I'm at. You know, late mm-hmm. season, I would focus more on on that ryegrass type situation. Yeah, it seems like. And another thing, when it's really cold, when it's really cold, I was just going to say this real quick. One thing about it. I've talked yeah. about this in my face. When it's really cold, I'm talking about in the teens. You get some serious cold weather. A lot of times you know, the mornings are not going to be that great, but mid morning later, you know, even on up toward noon, you can go out and hunt those spots and you typically wouldn't hunt something like that in the mornings. But when it's really cold like that, those, those sides that they get the sunlight, you know, a lot of times if there's opening in, in the woods or there might be a clear cut with some of that honeysuckle. And I'm talking about a real heavy frost, heavy, hard freeze the night before. And you start getting that sun shining on that. Those are really good places to focus. Seem like the deer come into those areas first Hmm. where that sun's warming everything up yeah which is a total like totally different from a lot of the parts of the season early season when you're hunting uh tied into those food sources it's like you go into the you go into the shaded part you know that's where the deer typically come out first because it's hot and they they don't want to get all up in that heat but when you start talking about cold it works kind of the same way and uh i I think that's i think that's cool 
to, to hear you talk about that because typically one of the things that all of us who are public land deer hunters, we talk about, you know, get as far away from the food plots and the ag fields as you possibly can during a lot of the times of the season. But mm-hmm. when you when you start thinking about this late season, um, people are tagged out. A lot of people are tired of deer hunting. Um, they've moved on to something else. They've moved right. on to, you know, whatever. But for the few guys that are actually still out there, I noticed this. Whenever I went to Kentucky, uh, let's see, two years ago, I had not killed a deer in Kentucky yet, and I went in January. And I had this whole WMA that I had been hunting, and during the early season, during the opening week, and during uh, October when I went, there were hundreds of people there. I mean, there were people on every corner. I went in January, and Mm -hmm. there was nobody there, and all the deer were hitting food plots and they were hitting these ag fields right next to the road deer were everywhere just doing that and i think it's easy to 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 get ourselves into a into the idea that food plots suck for deer hunting but the reality is is Mm -hmm. they're actually pretty dang good and you can see that on highly managed farms they're killing all their big bucks on food plots because deer want to be there and they're going to be there at some point but whenever the pressure is down and you can find a good, you know, a good one on public land, I've heard several stories of guys talking just like what you're saying where, yeah, that's where they saw the big buck at, you know, was on that food plot in the late season. And uh, I think that's I think that's pretty, pretty interesting and, and, and something to kind of encourage guys not to don't like pigeonhole yourself into a certain idea. Right. All these seasons, all these different parts of the season offer different advantages and disadvantages and you just kind of have to learn through what you're doing a lot of in-season scouting a lot of boots on the ground and and really focus on um what is this specific part of the season offer so shay if you're looking at the entirety of your season from september into september through february is there one part of it I'm going to say outside of the rut because everybody, I think everybody's favorite time is the rut. Is there, right. is there one part of that that you feel like is the absolute best time to be in the woods, specifically going in and um, scouting your way into a spot to hunt? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to say, I'm going to say late October probably, uh, which is kind of borderline rut, I guess. But it's, uh, well, it's pre-rut, you know, but that's just a time when when everything and it's not really got to do i mean i'll say that the deer are definitely on their feet more, but you know there's more daylight movement you start getting some some decent weather we do you know cooler cooler weather usually typically and it just seems like that uh deer are on their feet more and the acorns are usually falling really good and you can you can do some walking and you you'll find a place to kill a deer i mean it just it just basically depends on you know, if you want to put the boot leather on the ground, but, you know, you'll you'll find a spot. So that, I would say probably that last week of October, first week of November is probably, truthfully, that's probably my favorite time to hunt out of the whole season. Yeah. And that's really not the peak of the rut by any means. Yeah, definitely where you're at. And in a lot of, a lot of the southeast, end of October, early November means something totally different to us southerners than it does to the Midwestern guys. It's a... Uh, it's right, a completely different. Right. Everybody's, you know, all those guys in 
in Illinois and in Iowa and all those places like yeah October November end of October November that's that's the best time and I mean I I would probably tend to agree with you um for me where I hunt I really enjoy hunting right before the rut kicks in it just Mm -hmm. seems like the last several years um utilizing some of these some of these tactics I've been a lot more successful during that time of the season on uh, and arguably my my biggest uh public land deer came on October 27th last year and um it was definitely not a rut situation at all it was something very similar to what you're talking about and so uh man I do appreciate uh, you coming on man is there anything that you would want it's to been a lot of fun. would is there anything you'd want to say to everybody to kind of close us out yeah, I mean, just like we talked about, a lot of times, you know, you see all this stuff about maps and, and, and uh, looking at things and doing e-scouting, and don't get me wrong, I do a lot of that myself, but in the end, there's only one thing that's going to make you, you know, to, to tell you whether a spot is really going to be good or not, and that's just getting out there and walking and, and trying, you know, and looking for the sign. You know, some of that stuff you can't see from a map, so... I would say just scout, scout, scout. You know, I, I, I preach that on my page all the time. I, I, you know, I scout daily, you know, and uh, that's what it takes. I mean, it's kind of hard sometimes, too, when you have a job that you can't go all the time because you really you really need to do a lot of scouting. You know, you need to scout on a daily basis pretty much to keep up with them because it's, they're constantly changing. You know, the deer are doing things different as the season progresses, so you just have to put a lot of, a lot of boots on the ground. All right, thanks again for listening to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. It has been my pleasure to bring you this each and every single week. And again, thank you to Shay for coming on the show and sharing some of that awesome knowledge. I uh, I really, I gained a lot. I know a lot of you guys probably did as well. So go and uh, and, and share this episode with your friends. Um, give us a, a subscribe on both the podcast and the YouTube channel. Um, check us out on Facebook, on Instagram, at Southern Ground Hunting. That's going to be it this week, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Remember this, that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.